nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh no! Oh yes! He missed it! Howdy y'all and welcome to the Suffering From Joy podcast. Uh, today we actually have a special guest in studio. We're going to have Seth who organizes all of the travel for Austin FC away days. He's going to help uh, describe kind of what CONCACAF Champions League is, how we got there, a little bit of history about it, and hopefully get um, some nice information from him on what we can expect as Austin FC fans, as travel, away days, uh, anything like that. So without further ado, here's Seth. Thanks. And here to discuss CONCACAF Champions League with us today is Seth. Seth, how you doing? Doing well. Glad to be here and excited to be discussing the CONCACAF Champions League. Never thought Austin would be here and coming into our third season. Yeah, third third season's a great time to, to get started on there. I, I was hoping for first, but you know, uh, it is what it is. So uh, walk us through a little bit. What is CONCACAF Champions League? I assume a lot of people kind of know generally how UEFA works, but can you tell us a little bit how CONCACAF works and... Um, you know, maybe some differences or uh, some keynotes. Sure, yeah. So the CONCACAF Champions League is a newer competition than the UEFA Champions League, but the leadership at CONCACAF, which oversees um, soccer for the North American, Central American, and Caribbean region, so that you have in the CONCACAF Champions League, it is a 16-team tournament. You have four teams from Mexico, four teams from the United States, one team from Canada, six teams that won bid through the CONCACAF League, which are all Central American teams, and then a Caribbean club champion. And those 16 teams will play a knockout stage tournament from March through June. And the way that this works is mostly similar to the UEFA Champions League knockout stage, where it's a home and away tie. But even in the finals where in the UEFA Champions League, it's played at a neutral site. And CONCACAF is going to move that way in 2024, but this year they're going to continue with having a home and away final for the final match as well. So in theory, we could host the ultimate game of the CONCACAF Champions League at Q2. In theory, yes, but it, it's weird how it's set up. So for the first round that all of the teams that are quote-unquote the higher seeds, and we'll discuss what seeds mean in a little bit later on this podcast, but that those teams will go on the road for the first round, and then they will be at home for the second leg. Once we get into the quarterfinal, so we're recording this on Sunday, November 6th. The draw is um, tomorrow night, Monday, November 7th. At the draw, we will find out, unlike the Champions League draw, where they're just going to draw later tomorrow, they're going to draw the round of 16, but they won't draw the quarterfinals. In CONCACAF, they're going to draw the whole bracket at once. And they will tell you which teams, based on which matchups, will be home in the first leg and home in the second leg for the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. So once the draw is done, we can go full crazy Joe Lenardi um, bracketology level, fill everything out, and um, guess and get our fantasy... Uh our fantasy leagues up and running, right? Absolutely. And I mean, because of the World Cup break, we actually have a four-month period, which normally doesn't happen between the draw and the matches actually starting. Okay. Uh, you mentioned this is kind of a newer competition. So how long has it been running roughly? Uh, can you give us a little history on how MLS teams have been doing? Yeah, so th there has been multiple variations of this tournament. The modern variation, which has started over and has really only been around six, seven years. There was a version earlier where there was a group stage and then into a knockout stage, which was called CONCACAF Champions League. But even that only dates to the mid-2000s. Before that, there was a CONCACAF Championship, which actually DC United won in one of their first seasons <laughs> in, in MLS, which is back when they were a dime, uh, the flagship club of the league along with the LA Galaxy. The good old Eddie Pope for MVP days. Yes. 
uh, an RFK stadium was rocking, and that, that place is a wild place if you ever get to... I don't know if there'll ever be another soccer match at RFK stadium, but I've gotten to see quite a few interesting games at that hallowed ground of sorts. But, um, so yeah, so this tournament has been around in this format, whether it's group stage, it's been in this knockout stage format for the last five years, and this will be the final year that it is in this format, because in 2024, it is going to move to a 27-team tournament, rather than a 16-team tournament. Okay, I'm not exactly a mathematician, but how do you get, like, a bracket or a group stage out of 27 teams? That is a really good question, because uh, CONCACAF is its own interesting beast. So what they're going to do is they're going to give buys to five different teams next year. So, the, like, the Liga MX champion will get it, the MLS Cup winner will get it, the Caribbean Cup winner will get it. There's going to be a new Central American tournament where their winner will get it. So that the, and then the I believe the winner of Leagues Cup will also get it. So that they're moving into a format where those teams will get buys and then everyone else will play a preliminary round before that, which will also be two-legged. And then in 2024, they're going to go to a single-leg um, neutral site final. So they'll probably be in like Miami or something like that for a um, made-for-TV final. One difference for this year's CONCACAF um, Champions League is historically all the matches have been on weekdays. For the grand final match this past year, which was like a Wednesday night match in Seattle, it's actually moving to Sunday, and apparently it's going to be moving to Big Fox as well. Okay. Wow. Uh, we'll have to ter- teach uh, Kurt Menefee some pronunciation stuff before then. <laughs> So um, I know for me, I'm not a huge MLS or historically CONCACAF Champions League person. I do watch a lot of Canada, U.S., Mexico, and other CONCACAF teams. Uh, so there's a certain style of play I think we associate with uh, with CONCACAFiness, CONCACAF Thunder, CONCACAF After Dark. Um, is this kind of similar? Is it a little rougher, maybe a little smoother since they're club teams? They got to work together more. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's all over the place. I mean, the one, the only consistency in CONCACAF is that something wild will happen. Okay, I like um, that. The refs are pretty much the same refs. <laughs> um, this tournament does use VAR, for better or worse. Um, that That is a new feature as of the last few years, that they're actually using VAR in this tournament. Um, this tournament has been known for some of the worst calls that I have ever seen possibly watching soccer. I mean, there was a game between... Um, Philadelphia and Saprissa last year, where there was one of the most brutal knockout hits that somehow was not called a red card. <laughs> that you're just like, I mean, you had WWE moves that were more offensive than this. And you just have to laugh, you shrug. The pitch quality is going to be interesting. I mean, we'll get into some of the teams later here. But, I mean, for two of the teams, we don't know what city they're... Actually, for three of the teams uh, in this that Austin FC could potentially play, we have no idea what city they could be playing in, what stadium they could be playing in, quality of pitches all over the place. These matches are almost always at night, too. So add in the CONCACAF after dark, the pitch lights not exactly working, stadium <laughs> security not exactly working... It is a pure beating down for chaos. Uh, that being said, traditionally the Mexican teams have dominated this tournament. And yeah, and it gets to a world there where it's like, okay, can people beat the Mexican teams in this tournament? And the American teams, and I'm going to throw the Canadian teams in there as well. I mean, while Forge FC um, from Hamilton, Ontario did make last year's CONCACAF Champions League, they've traditionally been either Toronto, Montreal, or Vancouver. And Vancouver is the representative in this year's CONCACAF Champions League. So we know what we're going to expect out of those Canadian teams. Okay, uh, so does MLS typically kind of fit into that second tier after the Mexican teams where, hey, maybe we're making the 
the quarters or the semis or we'll lose in the final. I know Seattle won last year and they were the first MLS team to do it. Uh, I guess since DC, as you kind of kind of mentioned in the in the prior format. So um, can we expect, you know, maybe like a cupcake opponent or if we get even like a bigger opponent or do MLS teams tend to fare well? Um, do they have trouble kind of struggling with a different style of play? Is it an experience thing? Each team is different. Do you want to tell us a little about that? It, it's all over the place. One of the benefits of this year's tournament is that it's starting in March rather than February. Because one of the things that MLS has traditionally struggled with in this tournament is that the first round of the tournament would often be during the MLS preseason. And with MLS now starting its league in late February, which it used to start in March, and now this tournament starting in March instead of in February, is going to allow, so for all five MLS teams in this tournament, they'll have played two match days before they have to go on the road to somewhere in Central America or the Caribbean for their first matches. So the club should be in a better position to win than in past cycles. Okay, so we'll actually know the schedule for this. You mentioned tomorrow um, from when we're recording today. We'll have the full breakdown of CONCACAF Champions League. Does that get factored into MLS scheduling at all, uh, either before or after the schedule's printed out, or do they kind of just already put us in there since they know we're going to be in the tournament? How does that work? That's a, that's a really good question. So historically, it has been the MLS schedule would come out first, and then the CCL schedule would come out, and that would delay a lot of processes. Because of this World Cup weird break, as everything has been moving forward here, that there's actually a four-month planning period, and the MLS full schedule is not scheduled to be released until the middle of December, I think between the semifinals and finals of the World Cup this year, so that the MLS schedule makers are supposed to be a little more generous and allowing for teams. Um, in Seattle and NYCFC's run, to, I mean, they both, um, NYCFC made it to the semifinals of CONCACAF Champions League and actually played Seattle last year. They allowed them to move some of their Saturday matches because the matches, with the exception of the final, are usually two Wednesdays, sometimes Tuesdays or Thursdays as well, back to back. So sometimes they will let MLS teams cancel their weekend matches and then reschedule them for later in the season during an international break or some other point or playing on some Wednesdays. But honestly, we're going to have especially if we make a deep run in this tournament, that there's going to be a, a lot of um, fixture congestion coming up because there's potential for eight CCL matches. You have uh, U.S. Open Cup, which will be there. You're going to have some midweek MLS matches. Um, we're not even talking about friendlies there or anything else. And then we'll have Leagues Cup this summer, which will break it. There's going to be a lot of two-match weeks. I mean, it's honestly going to look a lot like the EPL or the Bundesliga has looked like the last two or three months. Yeah, and I know that gets uh, gets to be a real tough problem with uh, squad depth, and that's not something exactly Austin's done great on. Uh, obviously, it's a second-year team. Uh, this past season, it's it's not the easiest thing to build an entire team from the ground up. But how do teams handle that? Does MLS allow any kind of extra monetary or roster slots or anything like that? Because we won't even really have um, a full academy until next year, right? Yeah, so I mean, Austin will have an MLS Next Pro team, which could help on some of these matches with squad depth, but at the same time, it is going to be challenging. You don't get extra spots for CCL. You do get an additional $2.5 million per team, and you get more if you advance so that there will be some more funds, but a lot of those are to cover travel costs, other um, logistical expenses. As you can imagine, chartering flights to Honduras or something is not exactly a cheap endeavor, and bringing in all of the equipment, all that kind of stuff. It's not like, hey, we just get to plug $2.5 million more to the salary. It's And a lot of these players are on fixed contracts anyways. Okay, that makes sense. So you kind of mentioned Honduras, and we've been dancing around it a little bit. Uh, do you want to tell us we don't have to go super in-depth kind of a little bit about the teams we might be playing? Who do you want to see? Who do you not want to see? 
who do you want to take a trip to the most? Are there any iconic stadiums? Anything like that? Yeah, sure. So we have eight. So the way that this tournament works is that there are eight teams in pop one and eight teams in pop two. How teams get decided is not actually based, unlike in the UEFA Champions League, where it is based on your team coefficient for how they do the pots. CONCACAF does it by a way where it is done historically how has the third place United States team done in this. Oh, the rules are made up and the points don't matter. Great. <laughs> oh, yes, pretty much. Um, so that you get to a weird world where um, Seattle is actually, it, like USA 3 actually has more points than USA 1 does. So all four of the USA slots there are in the top eight. Mexico's fourth place spot has crashed out in the first round four years in a row. And Tigres ended up getting the Mexican fourth place spot because um, both at least won both the Apertura and the Clausura last season. And then if they were, and Tigres wasn't the runner up in either of those, but they had the next most cumulative points. So they got the Mexico fourth spot. So Tigres would be the most challenging opponent for Austin FC to, or really anyone to play. And I believe. This next part, I'm going to, have to say I believe because the rules are not 100% crystal clear on this. Yes, but I believe very, very CONCACAF. It's very CONCACAF because <laughs> CONCACAF says that you should not play a team um, from the first, what you call it, from your own federation in the first round unless the team did not qualify through the normal means. Since that there were more than since there were not four teams that made the Mexican finals, Tigres did not qualify through the normal means. So Tigres may be able to draw a Liga MX opponent in the first round, but we are depending on CONCACAF rules that are not clear here. I'm assuming they cannot, but we'll find out tomorrow night live on the draw. Hey, maybe they'll just decide then, or maybe MLS will add it as a different salary cap rule. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so Tigres are based in Monterrey. Uh, that's drivable, I think, for yeah. most of us. So that would be a good away day, we think. Yeah. So I would, on the one hand, it is technically drivable. I, on the other hand, I would not personally recommend anyone driving that car, driving with United States plates, especially Texas plates, into Nuevo León these days. Um, the autopista is not the world's safest road. However, if you're on like a charter bus or something like that, or you drive to Laredo, you park your car in Laredo, and you rent a, you walk over to Nuevo Laredo and rent a Mexican car, you're probably fine on it. But yeah, or Spirit Airlines also has nonstop flights from here to Monterey as well. And there's a bunch from San Antonio as well. So Monterey is definitely the easiest place to get to. It would also be the most intense atmosphere for sure. The, uh, the Estadio Universitario where Tigres plays, which they often call the Volcan, which means volcano in Spanish. This place is known to erupt. It's a 40,000 seat stadium, sort of in the style of like a Rose Bowl style stadium. There's not luxury suites in that stadium. It's a bunch of hard concrete bleachers. You're going to have things thrown at you from all sorts of different directions. Hey, we have practice with that. Yeah, no, but this is, <laughs> LAFC is tame compared to this. Um, I mean, it would be a wonderful atmosphere. And even for CONCACAF Champions League games, even first round games, there, the stadium will sell out. They had, right before the start of the pandemic, they were playing Alianza from El Salvador, which will be the next team that we'll cover on this podcast, that there was a crazy tie where um, Tigres won in stoppage time when their goalie hit a header to win the match. Um, it was because they were going to lose because we do have a way goal still in Conca and not in the final. But in the round of 16, quarterfinals and semifinals, the away goal rule still does apply in CONCACAF Champions League. And Tigres was about to lose on away goals, but their goalie hit a 93rd-minute header in the second leg. And I think it's a lot, one of the loudest things I've ever heard. It was absolute bedlam. Okay, as a Liverpool fan, I think you're uh, pretty familiar with the crazy goalkeeper goal and the dying minutes just to keep everything alive. 
Yeah, but there there weren't there weren't fans over at the Hawthorns that day, sadly. Uh, but there was it was really cool to see what T Grace was able to do there. And as as I think most listeners of the podcast know, that they have an incredible fan culture. The match here, I'm sure there would be thousands of fans in Orange that would come up for that. It would be a lot of fun, but it's definitely the most likely for an early exit from the tournament. Okay, so a great away day, but be, with that uh, additional bit of fun we would have we're also kind of putting ourselves in danger of an early exit uh anybody you would kind of rather see in the first round sure so i'll just i'll walk through the teams here um the team the second team i mentioned which gave t grace fits a few years ago is alianza from el salvador they tend to be one of the best salvadorian teams however they've had a really rough campaign el salvador um has only was only able to play 10 match days this fall because there was a dispute between the players and the federation and they locked the league out for two months um, so and now they're on a World Cup break as well, and Alianza had a very rough season. They obviously could easily get back in form in January, February before the start of Concacaf Champions League. Um, playing at the Cusacatlan, which is the stadium in, in San Salvador for fans of U.S. soccer, you probably know the U.S. men's team has gone there twice in a little over the last year. They had that infamous World Cup qualifier to start off qualifying last time, where the stadium was supposed to be at fifty percent of capacity. But I've never seen a more sold-out stadium in my life at fifty percent of capacity. Ah, uh, we know how Concacaf works. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Just to break in a little bit, since you mentioned it, since this is now a VAR competition, are we more likely to see a lot of those same? Uh, kind of El Salvador or Honduras stadiums that you've seen if you're a Canada or Mexico or USA fan? Yeah, so we'll, we'll walk through the teams here, um, but e- more or less, yes. But um, as Alianza plays their normal matches at the Cruzacatlan to begin with. So it's a 60,000-seat stadium. I don't expect it would have 60,000 fans for an Austin FC-Alianza match, but I think it would be a good atmosphere, probably like 20,000, 30,000 people there. Um, El- San Salvador is not remarkably difficult to get to. It is... I would say in the mid-tier safety, um, as the way things go, obviously there has been a lot of gang violence and other things there. Their government has gone on all the Bitcoin train, and there's been some weird stuff that's been going on there. But you have to have to take a few more precautions there than um, walking through the streets of Los Angeles. Yeah, not not a great time to be in the uh, crypto market for your entire uh, country's currency. Yeah, this this podcast is not sponsored by Socios.com. We are not. We have a strong anti-Socios.com bent here, (laughs) despite the fact that they sponsor Arsenal Football Club. All right. Well, after Alianza, who else do we have? So we have, um, uh, on the places that would be easier to visit, um, there's two ones that would be more straightforward. There's Alajuense, which is the only Costa Rican team that qualifies. Usually there's two or three Costa Rican teams in CONCACAF Champions League, but... um, Saprissa and Erdiano did not make it through the um, CONCACAF League, which is the which is now Rest in Peace, which was the qualifying tournament for Central America, um, the Canadian Premier League, and some of the Caribbean teams for this tournament. And that they uh, so Alquente, um lost in the finals of CONCACAF League on Wednesday night. They have a MLS style twenty thousand seat stadium in the suburbs of San Jose. There's a lot of nice resorts and haciendas nearby. Um, People could get to bring in flares to the stadium. Woo-hoo! It would be, but it's a, it would be raucous, but it would be safe. Um, there's a, um, it would be a challenging match. All Wednesday has a lot of players that play for the Costa Rican national team, including players like Brian Ruiz or Johan Venegas that people might be familiar with. It would be, it would be a challenging opponent, but I think it would be a lot of fun and people could go on their coffee tastings trips and rainforest excursions in Costa Rica and it's a um, place where also a lot of people speak English, so no es necesario para hablar en español. And there's a 
I think it'd be an overall fun atmosphere for our first internet, truly, truly international away day. That sounds good. I'd also like to play against uh, Brian Ruiz. So there's not an entire 22 players on the pitch who are all younger than me. I'm still kind of at that age where I get a little sensitive about that. Um, that sounds nice. I would like to visit Costa Rica again. It's been a while. Uh, is there anywhere else maybe you want to go or a team you want to play or yeah, anything so, like that? So the next one is just moving south of Costa Rica down to the southernmost team in the CONCACAF Champions League. is Taro out of Panama. Panama, unlike most of Central America, is more of a baseball country than a soccer country. Even though, I mean, they have given the U.S. national team fits. We are boys lost down there and qualifying this past day. And Taro doesn't usually play at the Estadio Romel Fernandez where... Um, Taro usually plays their CONCACAF Champions League matches, but that is the national stadium where they upgrade for these types of matches. I don't think it would be a sold-out venue, but it's in a major city. It's on a metro line. There's a bunch of really nice hotels in Panama City because there's all sorts of money laundering going on down there. But um, you would feel relatively safe there. The beach is there. You can do your Panama Canal locks trip. Um, It's boring. Don't do that. I mean, I've done it before. It's not too bad. Um, but, I mean, if people haven't been there, there's lots of good food. They run on the U.S. dollar. Um, Copa flies direct from Houston. You can get direct flights from DFW. It's not too bad to get down there. Yeah, it's going to be hot and humid because it's Panama. You're pretty close to the equator at sea level. But not a bad trip and plenty of things to do down in Panama. And the last time Taro was in Champions League, they beat our friends from Frisco. So getting revenge uh, for Texas, or wait a minute, or just showing that we're better than them is never a bad idea. I think we would go with the uh, the latter. Yes. We're, we're better than Frisco in all ways, even including in Panama. Yes. So, okay, um, I've heard Costa Rica, Panama, El Salvador, Mexico. Is there anybody from Honduras? Yes, we have three teams from Honduras. It's the first time that Honduras has ever had three teams make the CONCACAF Champions League. So you have Olympia and Motagua, which are both the classical, like the Chivas in America type sides, the Yankees, Red Sox type sides of the country. And Hopefully someone can do a little bit more research. I've been trying to figure out more of the divides between these teams and everything else. But there is a bitter rivalry, even though both of those teams are based in the capital city of Tegialpalpa, which I probably have mispronounced because even it was, because it's not actually a Spanish word. Um, it's in one of the native languages, and I always struggle to say the name of that capital city. But the stadium there, where the teams both share, um, is going to be under renovations until early March. These games are scheduled for March 7th to 9th. I don't think we will be playing in that stadium because the pitch was so bad in the stadium that they had to install the same grass they wanted to install at the Bernabeu in Madrid. Um, we'll see what happens with the stadium project. Um, it is, I just don't, if we can't get projects done on time in the United States, something tells me that Honduras is not going to turn around a stadium renovation in four months. Well, you never know. I mean, maybe they'll get that famous uh, Mopac crew to finish it nice and early and on time. Or, oh, no, I made myself sad. <laughs> no, it's a, uh, we could figure out what goes on there. So I think those matches will probably, and both of these teams have big fan bases in San Pedro Sula, which is the second biggest city in Honduras. Uh, I was watching some videos when Montagua, uh, who won the CONCACAF League, there were massive celebrations in San Pedro Sula, which would be kind of crazy to think about. It. It's like, okay, you're... You're a team that's based in your capital city. That's a five-hour drive away from your second largest city. And there are fireworks going off in the street of the second largest city. (laughs) Like, you don't see that too often, especially in global football culture. Um, But they'd probably play at the Olympic Stadium in San Pedro Sula, which is where the United States usually plays when they play at Honduras. I mean, this past time, the U.S. had a big win in Honduras. But if you remember a few cycles ago, they scheduled a a 1 o'clock in the afternoon match against us there. And we... 
I think it was on some pay-per-view that I had to go to some random bar to watch because I couldn't even stream on the internet. Like, hopefully it would be a nighttime match, but it would, San Pedro Sula is um, no longer in the world's most five dangerous cities, but um, it's not exactly the top of most people's tourist list. So don't bring your kids if you're going is what I'm, I'm hearing here. Yeah, and then the other team from Honduras is actually based in San Pedro Sula, which is Real España. And that they are, um, they played a different stadium. It's about a 20,000 seater, um, the Mazatlan. Um, so that there's, uh, Mozaran, I think. Um, I'm getting mixed up with Mazatlan, who will be coming to Austin for um, League's Cup. In there you the, go. Um, but th- they would play at a different stadium there. For um, friends who have been to um, San Pedro Sula before, it sounds like there's two nice hotels. There's pools at those hotels. You stay at those hotels, you go to the match. It is, I mean, there's some beach resorts like an hour and a half, two hours away, but it is still not the easiest of places to get to. But Spirit Airlines flies there, which, yeah. I thought we were looking for safety here, so. (laughs) Yes, exactly. This is not, those would be definitely um, bulletproof charter buses from the hotel to the match site. Don't, because there's only two nice hotels, we probably stay in the same hotel as the players for better or worse. So expect not to sleep, fireworks going off the night before matches. Like that's the kind of stuff that we'd have to deal with, the true Central American experience. Good. I think it would be a good cultural experience for both the MLS and uh, Austin FC fans that we have here. It would, be, it would be interesting. One, one more point on that, because there's three teams in Honduras and there's a decent likelihood that all three of them will be playing in San Pedro Sula the same week because they'll do the that first week. They'll do matches Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I would not be shocked if we end up compounding in hotels with LAFC fans. Vancouver, well, Vancouver doesn't have fans that are going to travel to Honduras, but our Mexican fans or whoever else. I think it would be a um, it could probably be something out of a Netflix show. Okay, well, we'll see how that works out. Um, You kind of touched on this, and I know this was always a giant problem for me, watching uh, USA, Mexico, whoever uh, in CONCACAF qualifying was the TV deal. Is this something covered by ESPN? Is this under the new Apple Plus deal? That's a really good question. Um, So um, Today NA has, uh, which is Univision, has the rights in Spanish. So most of the games will be on Today NA, and they usually are good about scheduling them. Probably one in this, in the first round, will probably be two triple headers, and then one doubleheader. So expect something like... And daylight savings time throws these things off a little bit. But expect something like a 5, 7, and 9 p.m. Central time matches. And then 7 and 9 um, for these for these matches. But they might throw it off an hour or two. I, um, the English rights are unclear who has them. Fox Sports has had them for the last few years. So a lot of times these matches would be on FS1 or FS2. Apparently... Fox is going to show the big match on June 4th, which is going to be the grand final. But it is unclear to me that Fox has actually signed the contract for CONCACAF League, which has traditionally been on FS2. All the English matches were just on YouTube, which is kind of great in a way, because like it's the same announcers. It's free. Where's the link for this? Oh, you just send people the YouTube link. So as long as you're, I'm sure there'll be people like, I don't have a fully smart TV, but hopefully most people do by these days. You can just download the YouTube app. It's free. Um, so these matches might be on YouTube. They might be on Fox Sports. There's a slight chance Apple picks it up, but um, we'll see. It's a lot of the English announcers tend to be the same as like the USL announcers, and there's a few folks like that um, who end up calling these matches. So there's absolutely no chance I'm going to have to watch this on Paramount Plus. Watch in <coughs> scare quotes. Um, I would never. They Paramount Plus does not currently have the contract. That doesn't mean they won't have the contract, but they do not currently have the contract. All right, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Okay, I think that's all the Central American teams, correct? Yes. And now let's uh, jaunt off to the Caribbean. Who do we have as a potential uh, opponent here? 
So the only team in the Caribbean that made it is uh, Violet from Haiti. Um, I I watch a lot of soccer. I try. I could spend time traveling through the internet. I have no evidence that this team has played a match since May. I couldn't tell you a player on their roster. I, I can't tell you what stadium they're in. Their Twitter account hasn't tweeted in four years. Their Instagram account has not posted anything since they won the Caribbean Club Championship. Um, Haiti has been going through some government instability, to put it mildly. There's a cholera outbreak there right now. I mean, there are still flights from the United States there, but it is last year the Haitian team that made it into the tournament at Cavalry um, was not able to get visas to come to the United States. And uh, CONCACAF, their stadium did not pass CONCACAF inspections in Haiti, and there was also a COVID outbreak going on at the same time. So the New England Revolution actually were able to, they just got a forfeit and went on to the quarterfinals of the tournament. Uh, before they lost to Pumas, where they blew a, blew a 3-0 lead after winning 3-0 at home. But there was a, um, it's an interesting um, model there. I think it would be the easiest opponent. I think there's probably a 50-50 odds of a forfeit. Um, but I don't think in any good conscience I could tell Austin FC fans to travel to Haiti. I don't think we could guarantee people safety. I don't think we could guarantee safe drinking water. Like, it is that level of a challenge. And I'm sure someone will be crazy enough to do it, but I, I don't see Austin FC playing in Haiti. Okay, you mentioned someone crazy enough to do this. One of my dogs, Phil, the official corgi of the Suffering From Joy podcast, has always wanted to be an island dictator. <laughs> he has a generalissimo hat. Do you have anybody at the CIA I could call to make this happen if we end up getting that draw? We will uh, we will not discuss that on the Suffering from Joy podcast. We'll discuss that on our sibling podcast. No. Um, we will get good, to... Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we'll, we'll, we'll figure things out there. I mean, I'm hoping to avoid that draw just because it would be... Yes, it's probably the easiest draw, but there's just so many other complications with that that make it another nightmare. Okay. We kind of touched on, on this a little bit earlier, but uh, we were talking about squad depth, and yeah, we get a little extra money. It covers some travel costs. How many signings, roughly, just top of your head, uh, do you think we'd need to make? Because we basically started the same center backs all year. We're adding some extra competitions. We have League's Cup. We hopefully won't go out in the, well, I guess we won't go out in the third round because we won't be playing in it in the U.S. <laughs> Open Cup this year. Uh, how big of a concern do you see that being both for this tournament and for Austin FC generally? Yeah, I mean, right now, your goal is if you want to have a successful team that can play, like look at like what Arsenal is doing right now. Obviously, Austin FC is not Arsenal, but to be able to play, um, to play matches and to have the squad depth of being able to trust to run out twenty to twenty-one guys out there would be the dream. Right now, I feel comfortable with about fourteen to fifteen guys on this roster, and you want that to be closer to twenty by the time this next season starts. So in the off season, I expect to see some moves. Like I don't expect to see Danny Houston's contract renewed. I don't expect to see Andrew Tarbell's contract renewed. That should free up some funds in addition to the $2.5 million, let's say $2 million after expenses and other things that are going to be available for this tournament. So I expect to see a couple of signings. Would hope to see um, a third center back signing. Would not mind seeing another um, left or right back signing. Um, would not mind seeing another striker signing. Um, another another mid... Like, Honestly, Felipe would probably be really, really good for these games. But you want to have another... And actually, Valencia would probably be pretty good for these type of games, too. So maybe our, maybe another um, maybe a number, another number eight to make sure that Alex that you need someone behind Alex Ring that you feel comfortable with a little more on the attacking side. That would be nice to have. 
But I guess, I mean, hey, maybe we have Thomas Pacchettino back, but I, I suspect he'll be on loan somewhere else in the world. I would think he's probably not going to play too many games more in in the uh, the Verde Black. So we kind of talked a little bit about Felipe here and a couple other guys. Is there anybody who really has like a lot of experience in this tournament on Austin? Maybe Diego with his time with New England. Uh, anything like that, or is it all kind of a few games, or somebody in UEFA, or Con Meeble, or things like that? Yeah, we really don't. Ha- I mean, I'd have. I, I, admittedly, I did not do my full research on this beforehand. On to be fair, I didn't ask you this question beforehand. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all fair here. Uh, but we, I don't think we've had too many players. I assume Felipe at some point has played in this tournament, but I would have to double check on that front. Um, is you look at it, I know. Um, well, we had had Matt Beasler a couple seasons ago, who had quite a quite a bit of experience playing with Sporting KC in the tournament. Um, but New England didn't really make the tournament too much when Diego was up in New England there. And obviously, I mean, on the one hand, like, even a guy like Jerusi Arrigoni, who, yes, they've scored in Europa League and Champions League, it's another thing to do it on a human night in Honduras. It is. <laughs> yeah, St. Petersburg is slightly, slightly different uh, um, climate than what we'd be facing in Panama, for example. Yeah, no, it is... Um, CCL away nights and the atmospheres expect like expect tear gas expect laser pointers expect fireworks expect all sorts of things that will make the MLS look very very tame expect the unexpected expect full CONCACAF yeah and one, one thing I did mention in the format of this tournament is that what's interesting is so we have away goals in the round of 16 the quarterfinals the semifinals However, the matches do not only go to extra time when they go to the finals. So if you're tied after 90, it goes straight to um, PKs. More CONCACAF. Yes. So PKs with lasers in people's eyes and all sorts of things like that uh, is not out of the realm of possibility. CONCACAF does suspend clubs. So um, Montaga from Honduras did get um, had uh, three matches um, in CONCACAF League where they were, had no fans because they were so over the top. So there's sometimes empty stadiums do happen. Okay. Um, I think that's uh, a good primer. I assume we're all going to forget all of this, especially that last little bit by March. Uh, so do you have any parting words for us, Seth? I think it is. It's ex- I mean, especially after coming off such a successful season, it's really exciting to be playing in this tournament and to have something tomorrow night to look forward to in the draw. Um, and then we're going we're gonna to go watch the World Cup and we're going to get caught up in World Cup fever. And then we'll be like, oh, yeah, this is coming around. And it will be nice as we can plan something out and hopefully have a deep run in this tournament to um, show that this past season wasn't a fluke and that we're building something um, longer here at Austin FC. All right, last question for you. What do you expect our biggest uh, bit of suffering with this tournament will be? The biggest bit of suffering for this tournament, I'm going to go with the remarkable prediction, the remarkably obvious prediction of some horrendous, horrendous, horrendous call on the pitch that no one can understand that makes the Miss PK in LA last week look like child's play. Okay, sounds good. Anything else you want to add? No, thanks for having me on the podcast and happy to come back as we get closer to once we figure out an opponent and how this all will go from here. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time, Seth. I'm sure we'll hear from you again as soon as I try to figure out what League's Cup is. Um, <laughs> anything else like that? Uh, we'll be happy to hear from you. Thanks. Here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. It's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.